This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, there has been lots of discussion about ChatGPT, the technology developed by the company OpenAI, which allows you to have normal human-like conversations, but with a chatbot. It's designed to answer questions and to help with other tasks like writing an email, an essay, or code. And the expectation is that it is part of the future of conversation. But just how far might it go to be used is still being investigated. Now, recently, ChatGPT3 was given the final exam of a typical Wharton School MBA course. The question is, how did it do? Christian Terwish is co-director of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management here at the Wharton School and was behind this research, and he joins us to take a look at this. Christian, great to talk to you again. Hope you're doing well. Great to be back on the show, Dan. Let me start out with what it was that piqued your interest to do this type of research in the first place. Well, as usual, it starts with your children. I mean, you have to live in a cave to not notice checking PT, but us as a grown-up generation is always a couple of weeks behind. So I noticed in the fall semester, they got really excited about this new technology, both the ChatGPT GPT technology, as well as the DALI or Midjourney, the graphics version of that. And so one day over dinner, the, the discussion came up, would it do well on our exam? And uh, as somebody who has been teaching the MBA course for many years, and somebody who has a textbook in operations management, I thought, let's just try it out. And so I took, cut and pasted right out of the exam without any edits, cut, put this into the prompt line of, of the chat. And it did really well. It did really well. It was a fairly simple question, but not a trivial question. And what I loved was not just was the answer correct, it was also really well explained. So that sparked my interest, and I went deeper from there. So when you think about the conversation around automation or, or, or thinking, it seems like our, we're getting a lot closer than we have been in the past in terms of coming to quote unquote human. I thought it was very human and in a very funny way. It did really well on the explanation and on the intuition, but on some problems, actually the math was horrible. Right? If you think about a computer, you would think about okay, a computer might be stupid and dumb at many things, but at least it will get the math right. It was the opposite. Actually, on the human thing, the computer, the chat GPT did really well on my exam. It did some very simple math mistakes. So was that really the biggest kind of glaring error that you saw in, in the answers that was given by the chatbot? So I gave, I occasionally gave the chatbot a, a B minus for the, the attempt to take the exam. It would certainly would have passed. So that is, I think, a big kind of milestone. I took points up for two things. Uh, for simple problems, uh, the bot aced everything. For more complicated problems, it was a little lost. Uh, it was lost, but it reacted really well when I started giving uh, the bot a hint. So human hints, getting the human in the loop, made the difference. Uh, so, but that, that need for the hint for the more complex problem was the first reason why it didn't get a better grade. And then the second reason is what I just mentioned was simple math mistake. I mean, uh, this thing is not programmed, it's not designed, it's not intended to be a calculator or math machine or optimization engine. And so that was uh, the second moment where I felt, I mean, at the point you got used to so, such excellent answers, I got almost disappointed and I felt like to let down. And so uh, I would certainly not put all my money on the decision that what spits out tomorrow. One of the things I noticed that you mentioned in the research paper uh, 
was that some of the answers that were given to you for some of the questions by uh, the chatbot, you noted that they were very straight to the point. And, and that response, I think, is, is something important to note. Absolutely. I mean, the, the simple process flow questions like electric operations management, which is about processes, capacities, bottlenecks, the simple questions that did really well. Uh, the one point where I want to backpedal a little bit, I wouldn't necessarily call it a research paper. For somebody at the Warden School has done 25 years of school and research, we write research papers, oh my God, we're going to be busy two or three years working on something. This was a cool experiment after dinner. Uh, the, the study itself is sort of research study. I think it's super interesting. I invite everybody to read the paper, but there's more and more potential contribution to the discussion that's going on at our university and I think throughout the world. And so was there, a, I think I read that there was a part of this process where you had the chatbot having the chance to generate questions that could be used in the exam as well, correct? Yeah, correct. And I, I know that a few of our listeners were pity me for that, but I have the job of coming up with exam questions every year. And after again, a quarter of a century on the job, I've exhausted all the barber shops and restaurants and all the settings I can imagine. And so uh, I, I felt desperate for some creative advice. And the, I did two experiments. The one was about the coal mining question where I asked about to create a bottleneck type of question in the context of a coal mine. I thought it did really well. And then as you notice in many of the blogs online, there has been quite some Homer Simpson applications of ChatGPT, so explain bubble sort in computer science as if you were talking to Homer Simpson. And so I couldn't resist throwing a Homer Simpson in there. And I got some tiny questions out of them, which I would also put in the B minus category. They had to be tweaked. I, I got, again, I really enjoyed the creativity, uh, but I couldn't take them one on one, one, one to one and put them into the next. So is there a, a level to which you think the capabilities of chat GPT in terms of what you did with the, the, the research around the testing uh, that it can go to a certain point and then realistically its capabilities kind of come to an end? I don't think the capabilities come to an end, but I think you have to have a human in the loop who takes over. So I think what I think we are all in awe about the technology, it gets you from zero to 70 or 80 percent in like in, in a second. And it's still not good enough for many situations. But if, if you're creating social media posts, at, at least for some people, 80% quality might be good enough. But if you're making a big investment decision, you really want to go at 99.9%. And so you, you still need that human at the end. And so again, both on the exam answers, I could see myself using the technology uh, as making a suggestion for the, the answer for the exam that could be shared with the students afterwards. Again, I would have to edit them afterwards, but it yeah. gets me 80% of the way. And the same is true for the exam questions it generated for me. Uh, I mean, I still have to do some work, but I feel it has, a, even in the current state of the world, it has the opportunity of boosting my productivity as well as the productivity of our students. So kind of a two-part question for you here next then. In, in having done this work, what are your kind of takeaways from the experiment for the use of chat GPT-3 in its current form, both in kind of the education setting, which, which you were working with, but also kind of in the, in, in the world where we are right now? I, I think most of the discussion I see in the education world is the fear for how, it would, how our students might cheat on tests. And I certainly see the, the need for clear policies about that, that there be no doubt. I mean, many tests 
I think uh, the, the, the board would already be acing now. But I find that question a little short-sighted. I think for sure we're not going to get the uh, toothpaste back into the tube. Uh, this technology is out there. It's only going to grow. And so I think the idea that we could go back to the old world, it, that never works as technology. Uh, the other thing is I, I feel uh, as educators, I feel we have to ask ourselves, why do we test? What is the perfect, I mean, what's the purpose of a homework assignment? What's the purpose of the test? And as I was thinking about it, I could really come up with three reasons why we test. There's some form of a skill certification. You might be a certified public accountant. You might go to the DMV and pass the driver's license as we certify skill. Uh, second, we want to customize learning so that I know where then do you stand on your journey of learning right now so I can basically teach you the right thing. And third, there is we want the student to engage with the material, to, to practice, to wrestle with the material so that they can grow and learn. So those are the three reasons. I think you would agree with me that for the first and for the second, uh, so for skill certification and customizing learning, uh, we have to get the technology out, right? I mean, yeah. you shouldn't become an accountant just because you know how to use the software. Right. It's like sending, it's sending your brother-in-law take tests for you, right? Um, but I think for the third one, the engagement, uh, having the student wrestle with the concepts and thinking about them critically. I think there we have an opportunity to involve the technology and get students fired up and enthusiastic, uh, learning more than before. I mean, again, we, we have new technology in the game now, and it would be a pity if all we could do as a society is be as good as we were before having that technology. So it's going to be very important to watch the developments in this area over say the next decade or two to see you know how far along we can we can move this process well much smarter people than i have tried to forecast where technology and innovation takes us i think the literature is full of really lousy lousy forecasts so i will i would take a buy on that question but i think again <laughs> this is going to be big and i mean there's reason to believe that we really have only seen the beginning here you don't feel concerned about your job at Wharton because of the use of ChatGPT as an educator, though, right? Well, remember, we talked a couple of years ago, Dan, you and I talked on the show about MOOCs and video teaching. Uh, Kyle yeah. Rick and I had done some experiments. We, we've given this issue some thought. And many people were upset how we would take our, on our courses that we have been teaching at Wharton for many years and put them on Coursera. And at that time, it is given away for free. And people said, oh, you're going to ruin our lives and the business schools are going to get disrupted. And here we are, right? So this was nine years ago. I have no reason to believe that this is going to be uh, a similar pattern here. I think uh, the top schools, the ones working at the cutting edge, the ones putting in the research, will have a lot to say to the students about the technology. And they will be able to use the technology to get the students fired up and engaged in the content even better than before. Suffice it to say that that this research and this work you did has really piqued your interest even further in terms of seeing where the development goes in in the months and years ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And I really want to emphasize I'm not an AI person with my background. I studied computer science 30 plus years ago. Uh, we had a class on neural network and we would hand feed the neural network. We would literally type in the data so small 
for the data sets we use for training the networks back then. I mean, we have folks like uh, Sunny Tambe, Katikul Husanaga here at the Wharton who have much more technological expertise on this. Uh, my interest got peaked. I care, I'm a user, I care about innovation. I'm much more from the need, the customer need side, as opposed to from the technology uh, side. So my areas of interest are education and healthcare. And I'm super excited and really curious to see how the next couple of years will play out uh, with respect to this new technology. Christian, great to have you with us today. Thanks for your time. Always a pleasure, Dan. Christian Terwa, she was co-director of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.